0: For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. In this episode, we dive into the online gig economy, a look at this emerging industry where people find work through online platforms or apps. Most people are familiar with ride-sharing apps like Uber and Lyft, but there's a growing number of services for hire Through an app, including services for food delivery, housekeeping, nursing, teaching, electricians, and so many more. These workers are currently identified as independent contractors, supposedly meaning they are their own boss. Or are they? And as independent contractors, what about their rights in the workplace? Do they even have any? We're going to speak with an on-demand worker in just a moment. But later in the podcast, we'll hear from the president of the New York State AFL-CIO to talk about a new report that the State Federation commissioned with a Worker Institute at Cornell University's ILR School. What did the research find and what does it recommend for policymakers in New York State? But first, joining me on the phone today from Ithaca is Robin Pape. Robin is an on-demand worker. She works for Instacart, a grocery delivery service. Robin, welcome to the podcast.
1: Good afternoon, Darcy. Thank you for having me and shining a light on this issue.
0: So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, I
1: started Instacart part-time last fall um, during a professional gap year. I had a friend who was working for Instacart, and she asked me to sign up with her referral code to get a bonus, and that was how I started.
0: So how did how did that work? Did you actually have to fill out an application, go to a website, or is everything done right through the app?
1: It's all done right through the app, including the background check.
0: Well, so tell us a little bit about the work. Not, uh, let's assume not everybody knows what we're talking about with Instacart. Um, what is it that you actually do? What is Instacart and what is the work that, that you do for them?
1: So the role that I have with Instacart is as a full service shopper. Um, There are other roles, but it's my role that's classified as an independent contractor. In this role, I'll receive contracts from Instacart to shop for or deliver groceries for customers through a platform they provide. So I would then use my car to go to the store and purchase the items the customer is requesting and deliver them to the customer. I'm a personal shopper in this role.
0: So how does it work, you know, with your hours? I mean, do you wake up and decide that day when you're going to work? Do you have to schedule it ahead of time?
1: Uh, Well, it varies widely everywhere. Um, In some areas, there are only a couple of dozen full-service shoppers, and in other areas, there are more than a 1,000. So as you would expect, it's a little bit more competitive to get hours in the cities where there are a lot more people. Even in Ithaca, which is relatively small, we have about forty workers on a weekly basis. And so when do you decide? Yeah, I'm
0: that, sorry. That's what I'm wondering. So you wake yeah. up I mean, do you know like today I mean, what you're gonna do tomorrow or how do you decide or do you say, Hey, I'm gonna work for an hour, or do you or do you have to commit to a certain block?
1: The way that hours works is you do have to commit to at least two hours at a time. You can sign up today of the minute before the hour begins if the hour is available in the system. The issue that arises is that there aren't enough hours for all of the workers um, as there doesn't appear to be a hiring cap. So you can go, the hours open up on Sunday morning, and if you have early access, which means you've worked a certain number of hours over the past three weeks, you're allowed to go in on Sunday morning and pick hours. Sometimes the hours are gone really, really fast. within seconds there are no more hours in other areas or at less popular times of day you're able to pick up hours on a much more as you go basis if i decide that i've i've picked hours for tomorrow and now i don't want to work them i can cancel them within six hours of the beginning
0: so what happens if you don't do that in that time frame
1: so if i wait and i cancel earlier than, you know, with less time remaining in my shift, I'll receive what's called a reliability incident. And that doesn't sound this good. Is a performance <laughs> measure. Okay. Right. And, and well, and it's a performance measure. It's punitive um, and it really shouldn't exist, but it does. And the way that it works is if once you get five reliability incidents, you're only able to pick up hours the day before the shift that you're looking to get. And in most places, that means you're not going to be able to get a shift.
0: So let me ask you this. In real life, I mean, there could be a reason why you had planned, everything was planned, and then something happened, and you only have an hour's notice to tell them, hey, I'm not going to be able to do that shift. Do you get to say, you know, wait, can we talk about this? Let me explain what happened to kind of get that that rating back up?
1: Um, Well, really, they'll just send you an email, and the email says, you don't have to contact us. These things happen. Try to be more reliable for your customers. Um, and if you do reach out to them to try to have it resolved, there have been people who have had really good reasons to have to cancel a shift, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And there are stories of people, their, their husband was in, is a truck driver, and he was in a horrible accident, and she lends the cart to try to cancel her shift, and they told her no, and she got a reliability incident. Their mother's in the hospital, and there's no... No empathy around any of it. Mm-hmm. And it's
0: just, You're not looked at as like it, a regular it, human because they don't see you. You know what I mean? That's some of it too, is that disconnect. They, they get a form response. So I'm just wondering do you ever talk to a person?
1: Yes. Um, they, Instacart contracts out its support. So there's there's shopper support, or it's sometimes called shopper's happiness. Um, and one of the newer features that they've rolled out allows us to chat with them directly through the app. Prior to that, we would have to call in um, and get support in that way. But because it's a third party who is providing our support, we often know more about the app and what we're experiencing than they do. And much of what we receive back is form responses that sometimes aren't even relevant to why we've called in in the first place. That that sounds
0: frustrating. It's like pick one, two, or three, right? And what if you have four?
1: And if you call back back three times, you'll get three different answers.
0: Okay. So let me talk to you a little bit about earlier this year, the pay for Instacart workers uh, was cut. Uh, There was a lot of news around that.
2: Working mom Phoenix DeCorvo loved driving for delivery app Instacart.
1: I could set my own hours. The pay was competitive.
2: Until the company surprised her with a new pay structure last November.
1: I'm missing at least forty percent of my pay.
2: Under that policy, tips were being used by Instacart to supplement the driver's base pay instead of being extra money in the driver's pocket. A
0: tip is supposed to be talk to me a little bit about that. What what was going on?
1: Uh, Initially, we were getting all sorts of. um, Our pay was more transparent. We could plan for what we were getting. Over time, Instacart, you know, they considered removing. The option for customers to tip and instead implemented a service fee and indicated that service fee was to pay their shoppers. However, that was never really the case. And there was an informal strike and some media backlash, and they decided to keep the tip in place but obscured it and made it harder to find and also kept their service fee in place. This led to a lawsuit um, and they reinstated tips and. There's a default now for tips of 5%. And, again, they still kept the service fee in place.
0: But it, it was impressive was that you, you were able to um, get everybody together on that and to kind of shake them up a little bit, bit and push back.
1: There's been a, a a Facebook group that's been, it's a boycott group. It's been quite vocal and quite involved in um, in that earlier effort in particular.
0: So do you have to pay for your own gas?
1: My own gas, car insurance, cell phone. Yes.
0: All right. So, what do you do? You have concerns about um, about working for Instacart or the on-demand economy at all?
1: Well, I I do have concerns that our wages have been seriously cut. People left their full-time jobs to do this, and then this pay change happened with very little notice and no input, and Mm -hmm. and now people have to take. These orders that pay, it'll be, they're going to pay you $9 to shop for 40 items and deliver it five miles away. And Workers are left without protection. Um, we are currently misclassified. More recently, a group called Working Washington got involved and in helped us begin the, the pay-up initiative. And in that initiative, assuming that we're looking to be employees, what's being asked for is a minimum of $15 an hour after expenses. Tips on top and transparency and pay. And I think those are the things that all of us want. Um, we would, I have concerns, we all have concerns that they're using these low wages to push out shoppers who have been there longer and who know what they used to pay,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that they're over hiring in every market and saturating the market to enable them to pay as little as possible.
0: Yeah, it sounds frustrating. <laughs> sounds like you're frustrated. I just
1: put this out to the group, and aside from those issues, this may be a little less serious, but one of the other things that, that we want people to know is we are not a water delivery service. <laughs> we wish that Instacart would put some limits on heavy items or expand into an extra-large fleet or something that could accommodate them, because... We're being asked to deliver ridiculous amounts of water. Like and cases of water that. that
0: you've got? A, yeah, that, that's a lot. Those are heavy.
1: <laughs> I got an order for 60 gallons of water one time. People oh often God. get cases, get orders from Costco for a pallet of cases of water.
2: Wow. And we're doing this
1: in our personal vehicle. It's not even safe. Um, but instead of using a water delivery person, people are using an Instacart shopper. And this isn't being seen as a luxury service. And we aren't being paid accordingly on either end, really. Um, But it's really Instacart's duty to provide us with more than they're providing. If I fall down and I get hurt, I have to pay for it. If my car gets a flat, that's on me. And I'm going to get a reliability incident for not being able to finish my shift.
0: Because you got a flat that you have to take care of. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, Robin, listen, I want to thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us about this growing industry. And I know you participated in the research um, by the Worker Institute at Cornell, and thank you for that. Many workers aren't willing to speak out publicly for fear of retribution, as people can imagine. So we really appreciate uh, you know, your openness and willingness to speak to us. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you again
0: for having me. Joining me now on the podcast is our president, Mario Salento. Mario, welcome to the program.
3: Thanks, Darcy, for having me.
0: So we just heard from one Instacart worker, uh, but a report by the Worker Institute at Cornell that we commissioned interviewed nearly 200 workers in this industry, and that report is now public. So let's talk a little bit about the State Federation's interest in these workers and why we wanted to do this study in the first place.
3: Well, we wanted to do the study because we wanted to explore the challenges that we had an idea that these workers face on a daily basis. And just to be clear, uh, and I'm sure you've outlined this already and have spoken to it, but workers who work for these app-based companies, so-called gig economy workers, do not have the same rights and benefits and protections as all other workers in the state of New York. So that means they don't have the right to minimum wage or paid family leave or overtime or workers compensation or unemployment insurance or certain workplace protections. They don't have the right to to organize and collectively bargain. So we knew that as being fact. And we recognize that that being the case, there are gonna be a lot of obstacles and challenges in the way of these workers to be able to adequately support themselves and their families. And that's why we commissioned the report to see really what is the plight of these workers. And I think the results were even more troubling than we even thought, because workers in this industry uh, normally—well, I shouldn't say normally—but uh, for a good deal of the time, have to work 10, 12, 14 hours a day to make the same amount of money that someone who is considered an employee has to uh, actually makes. Because again, they're not receiving minimum wage or overtime pay, and so on and so forth. So uh, they're they're up against it, mm-hmm. and really. Uh, we want to make this come to light in, in, a, more, in a way that, that not only that we know about, but the general public knows about, because there are a lot of different factors that go into why we have to make this right for these workers. A, these workers deserve the same rights and protections as everyone else. B, this is not only have an effect on those workers, but on our overall economy. You see, uh, if we continue to go on at the percentages we are going on, And every year we have more and more workers who are so-called gig economy workers who aren't receiving these basic rights. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we could have 30, 40 percent, who knows, of the the working population within this industry. As a result, (laughs) taxpayers are going to have to subsidize uh, these gig-based employers or businesses Mm -hmm. because we found in this study that a lot of these workers uh, have to apply for public assistance. So you have someone who's working 12, 14 hours a day, yet they still cannot adequately support themselves in their families. So taxpayers have to pick up that burden. The other burden here, the third, is to traditional employers. Why is that? Because these app-based companies are not paying into the workers' compensation fund. They're not paying into the unemployment insurance trust fund. They're not paying Social Security or payroll taxes. So as a result, traditional employers are, are having to pick up an unfair burden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and subsidizing, again, these other companies that are getting away with it. And it's it's really absurd, and we have to address it, not only for those workers, but our tax base and for traditional employers. If we don't, I can't tell you where the economy of this country is going to be in 10 or 20 years from now
0: uh, in an even
3: worse state than we are in today.
0: So these companies are essentially then cheating the state out of tax revenue.
3: Right. And, and, you know, right now, cheat is a strong word. They're only mm-hmm. doing what, what is, they're legally allowed Feels like to cheating. do. Feels <laughs> like okay. it But I'm not, I don't even want, really want to cast aspersions or, or classify it as such only because they're, they are abiding by the law of the as land. As they exist now. Right. right. And what we're saying is that has to change mm-hmm. for a whole lot of reasons.
0: So let's talk about some of the findings in the study. Um, you hear some people talking about this industry or wanting to get into it because they like the independence, but then it sounds like once people are in, they're finding out maybe there really isn't that independence, or they might uh, find out what they thought they were going to make. It's not there, and they don't really have any recourse. And we also heard about things like... um, People being sexually harassed, no recourse to file any kind of claim or do anything about it, right? Or they felt intimidated about standing up. And then they can just be deactivated, essentially fired from their job, and they have no recourse there.
3: Right. Well, you explained it perfectly. But let me just go back to your first point, then I'll double back. You know, a lot of times these app-based companies will talk about the flexibility of the hours worked and the flexibility that this provides for those workers, couple of things. Yeah, everybody sort of likes flexibility, but what everybody likes uh, and wants is a, a paycheck every week or whatever it is biweekly on a regular basis that is fair in terms of the hours that you work. The irony here is that when they talk about the flexibility for workers, what they are really comparing these app-based workers to are part-time employees. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, part-time workers are, in fact, employees and all traditional employers and get all of the same rights and benefits, minimum wage, workers' comp, unemployment insurance, overtime, and so on and so forth. So it's ironic that they talk about flexibility and are really comparing these workers to part-time workers who, in fact, are employees. Now, to get back to your other point about what the findings showed, a lot of it is, is straight, you're right on about that. We found that workers had no real recourse to address a situation if they felt that they were being treated unfairly, if they were somehow rated uh, lower than they thought they should be. If a customer comes into a car and for some reason they just had a bad day at work or they they have a sick child at home and they just, they're just they in a bad mood and they rate that driver a 2 instead mm-hmm. of a 5, that, work, that driver had nothing all to do with it, that worker has no recourse. There's nowhere... To go and have an arbitration hearing or any kind of hearing at all that right. says, "Look, because this of their is unfair." Side of the story, right. right. You hear uh, instances of workers being treated sexually with sexual misconduct or, or otherwise or physical misconduct, mm-hmm. and again, there is no real recourse for them. You have workers who have to pay for their own gas to get from one job site to the next if they're going on deliveries. If if in fact a lot of them spoke to, uh, if they got hurt on the way to performing a task. There is no workers' compensation coverage for them, so in fact, that money is coming out of their pocket. They have to go to the emergency room. They get into a car accident on the way. That's on them, mm-hmm. and that's just not the way it's supposed to be. And the, there, there is, and I'll give you that one uh, specific uh, I think uh, comparison that I think works is, if you order a pizza, and you call your local pizzeria and they pick up the phone and you order a large pie, something to drink, and you have, please have it delivered. That man or woman gets off the phone, pizza is made, they send a delivery person to your home, you take the pizza, you provide them the money, the transaction is over with, the worker goes back to the pizza shop makes the next delivery. That worker is an employee. Mm -hmm. If I want to order something through my app, and I go to whatever the app company is and I want to order a pizza or I want to order Chinese food or deli or whatever it is I go through the app the same process takes place the app based imp- uh, worker because they're not an employee but the app- based worker goes through that company picks up the food from whatever the uh, the restaurant is brings it to your house same thing happens you pay them the money they give you the product and they leave that worker because I ordered through my phone through an app, Receives none of the benefits as the first person who came from the pizzeria. It is patently absurd that you have two people doing the same exact job. Right. With but the through only the way that I ordered now. it, right, mm-hmm. they don't. They're not protected. Right. We cannot have this. As I as I said, it's a big enough problem as as it is today. It will be tenfold ten years from now, twenty years. And remember, ten years ago, there were no car services that came to your house started six, seven years ago, five years ago, now you can have a maid service. You can have maids coming to your house on a regular basis through your app. You can have a, a painter or a carpenter to do work at your home. You can have someone shop for your groceries and deliver them to your household. That's only going to increase over time, and we cannot sustain ourselves as an economy if, if we have 10 20 30 40% of the workforce within this particular industry.
0: So is it really just about um, misclassification?
3: It it is, yeah. It's misclassification. We believe it's misclassification because, again, there is absolutely no difference between what an employee from a traditional employer deals with every day as opposed to what a worker in this so-called gig economy or app-based economy is going through on a daily basis. There is absolutely no difference, and it's just a way for the app-based companies at this point in time to get around having to pay uh, again, into the workers' comp fund, mm-hmm. unemployment insurance trust fund, having not to pay minimum wage or overtime or anything else. So, what happens
0: now? We've got this study, and we're getting this study out. We want, and we're going to have it up in our show notes, and we have it on our website already. We're sharing it. What is the next step? I mean, I know you wanted a, a whole campaign to move forward to draw attention to this.
3: We are working with the governor's office, and the governor's office has been terrific about this. The governor mentioned this in his um, his FDR speech as it was mm-hmm. billed in December. So uh, we've been having uh, numerous conversations with them and meetings with them. Certainly, we've been talking with both houses of the legislature, the Senate and the Assembly. So everyone knows where it is that we feel at the state AFL-CIO we need to go. I would say the talks are have been productive and have been progressing. And our hope is that uh, at some point in time, we will have a bill and once we have a bill we will ask for everyone and certainly in the labor movement uh, and our affiliate unions our area labor federations our central labor councils to help us in the normal grassroots legislative campaigns that we've taken in the past to hopefully get something done sooner than later
0: and essentially that is to make sure that these folks so have the same rights as other workers as all other all other workers in the state
3: they are that at they would uh, everything that you would receive as an employee you would have if regardless of whether you work for a traditional employer mm-hmm. or an app-based company.
0: Okay, great. Thank you very much, Mario. We appreciate it. And again, we'll have more information for everybody to uh, get involved as we progress along in this campaign. Thanks for having me again, <music> Joining me now is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Hi, Darcy. So you've been sharing the report on social media. I know it's up on our website. This is the report on the gig economy that we commissioned with Cornell.
2: Yeah, it's been getting a a lot of interesting views. You know, people are curious about it. Uh, It's something that's exploding out there with with, uh, more and more people picking up these side jobs, trying the, the gig economy out. And so we've had a lot of interaction with it. It's been good.
0: So we just want people to uh, stay tuned because things can happen quickly with this. We never know. And then, and then you're going to uh, let them know if we can have them help us with some actions they can take.
2: Yeah, as soon as we have a, a bill, we're going to have a text to action. So you can call your senator, or your assembly. Uh, we're going to have a petition. We'll have lots of ways for you to try to get your voice heard and, and get this legislation passed so that these workers can be given you know, the same rights as everybody else.
0: And I know um, you've been posting some photos of folks now that they're getting the Union Strong hat. That's great. Yeah. Uh, We saw Mario out there with a a post uh, over the past week uh, with uh, some relatives of his, which was nice to see.
2: Absolutely, yeah. A Cousin showed up at a at a uh, family christening, I think yes. it was, and uh, that was that was really good to see. Uh, we've had you know local union leaders from the Bronx, and we've had teachers from the Capital District, and we had somebody from the UK. So it's been a very very good uh, response, and we have just a few hats left. If you want to get them, uh, go to UnionStrongNY.com, dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, fill out the form, and we'll ship them right out to you.
0: Union made hats that say Union Strong. So we'd, we'd love to see you wearing them too and we'll share those photos. So thank you very much. Until next time, stay Union and stay strong.